I went and saw uh, Sanctus Real at the fairgrounds one year. I remember them. Not very exciting. That is some bland, boring, white bread, khaki pants music. <laughs> With pleats. Those khaki pants have fucking pleats for sure. <laughs> Welcome to Grown Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And we are joining you on Inauguration Day. And <laughs> Joe Biden is president. Uh, Donald Trump has scurried to Florida. Not my president. <laughs> I'm, I'm like really relieved that uh, nothing happened because my, my mail order body armor didn't show up. <laughs> Why did you need that? Were you planning on going to the Capitol? <laughs> I just, you know. I live in a crowded part of the country, and I have a lot of bloodthirsty neighbors. And yeah. they want you know, to steal your to... canned food and raid your bunker. <laughs> right, I got all this sweet corn, like <laughs> Sam Club cans, thirty gallons apiece. Do you have I ever have... told you my apocalypse like survival plan? No, I was going to ask though if anyone of my friends, other than uh, I don't know, maybe a, I guess a couple, but I could see you. You're reasonable, but I could also see you being a doomsday prepper a little bit. <laughs> I think I don't think I qualify. Like I don't do any prep. I just like uh, use it to rationalize buying things that I want. <laughs> That's as far as I go. But okay, I'm apprehensive to share my strategy here because you know it kind of relies on being a first adopter. Yeah, but you have the uh, element of surprise on your side. Right, right. So, every you know, humanity <laughs> goes through this big ordeal, right? Things get bad. Things get real bad. And Joe Biden seeing on parlor is right. That's where things are heading. <laughs> right. Joe Biden dies. Kamala Harris declares martial law, and she outlaws <laughs> Christianities and Christmas. <laughs> and, you know, as the food supply lines dry up, um, most people, you know, they're going to go through some real stages uh, as they, you know, slowly starve to death, they'll boil their belts and shoes. Uh, they'll eat their pets. Uh, my plan is just, you know, everybody at some point arrives at cannibalism. Oh, for sure. I'm just going to skip all the introductory steps. Like day two, I'm cannibalizing somebody. Dude, that doesn't seem economical. You got to save them. Let them. Uh, I mean, you don't want them when they're all emaciated, I guess. But Dude, there's so many people. There's so many people. It's true. <laughs> there's only so many freezers in your house though casey uh that's true i just let them rot in the yard <laughs> would you would you uh try to tan some of them like your failed deer experiment there yeah yeah it's like i'll, I'll treat i'll treat people in human bodies like uh like white settlers treated buffalo <laughs> just shoot it in the face carve off a burger and then let the rest <laughs> <laughs> With any luck, most of them will be extinct in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, told, I told my grandma that a couple of weeks ago, and I I thought she could follow along, but she didn't, and she was just really confused. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I don't think those are like. I typically try to avoid any sort of like sarcasm with the elderly. I feel like it typically they look at you like you're trying to tell a truth and they don't necessarily come in on the joke with you. 
My my grandpa's pretty solid. Like yeah. he's uh he's fun to mess around with. I I always talk about I, at some point I'm gonna have to tell the story of working at the telemarketing the Christian telemarketing agency. Oh God, in Lynchburg, which uh, is everybody at, at Liberty worked at the Christian telemarketing. I don't what was it called? I keep wanting to say Telemericorp. <laughs> <laughs> No, that not the Rancho Cucamonga branch. It's, um, but uh, I know. Oh God, I feel like I, rem- I I know what it is. Um, but I'm, if I try to rack my brain, well, <laughs> try to rack my brain for it on a uh, podcast, it's going to get pretty boring, I guess. So it's not going to ring a bell for anyone, that's for sure. Yeah, so I, I guess we can skip. That. <laughs> I know who are we trying to remember for. But I okay. So remember that movie Watchmen. It yeah. was based on the the graphic novel. Oh yeah. Uh, so that movie was coming out, and I really wanted to see it because I had read the graphic novel while working overnights at the telemarketing place. But I had a shift when e- the night that everybody was planning on going to see it. Uh, so I called him and told him my grandpa died. Oh my god! <laughs> and I just never went back. <laughs> you never. I told my grandpa that story and he laughed super hard. <laughs> Dude, I worked in this telemarketing place in Lynchburg too. It wasn't a Christian one. It was, um, we would try to like, it was, uh, ended up being shut down by the government because it was like violating federal law on so many levels. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. It, it was after, that was well after I had left. But I mean, the people who worked there were insane insane there was one guy who was always on his break trying to sell bootleg dvds and porn and i mean he just had this like back catalog nice. of whatever you could get what i don't know whatever anyone wanted he was he was there trying to sell it he was also a rapper um and he would he would like bring in his mixtapes and play them for everybody like <laughs> while we had like five oh, minute breaks fun. it was that was that always weird. fun and then um but I mean, I'll, we had we got this. Well, we meaning every, I don't know who, not me, because I was a fairly well functioning adult at the time. But the manager had to like come down on everybody because uh, the wall of the in the bathroom next to the like basically the wall that the urinal was on was just covered with boogers because people would blow <laughs> not rockets on it and like flick their boogers on the wall and shit it was so disgusting <laughs> what what is different about that than any other urinal though I, that like I seriously maybe it's just like the the amount that that one actually got cleaned versus other bathrooms just, but it was like a wall of boogers dense. it was disgusting it's like somebody's gonna have to scrape this wall before we can repaint yeah. It's going to have that like ceiling popcorn yeah. texture. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke about that. I always, I always tell April that I'm like, it's kind of a universal rule. It doesn't matter how new or old the building is. Like if you're standing at a urinal, you can find a booger if you yeah. look oh, hard yeah. enough. <laughs> it's so gross. And the floor beneath it's always damp. And that makes me mad because then you get pee on your yeah. shoes. A hundred percent. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah. dude, did you watch, so did you, did you watch the inauguration at all? No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I did I, watch, uh, Trump's farewell speech, which was <laughs> colorful. Yeah, I'm sure. I didn't, uh, I didn't even look at the highlights. Dude, I didn't the, realize. The term rose colored glasses doesn't really do it. Justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how much I, um. I mean, I have obviously internalized this uh, his terrible presidency, but I'm like, 
you kind of get used to just living with that in the background. And then when I read today, like that Biden had officially been sworn in, I also, I just like felt this welling up of tears and I got choked up sitting in my cube. I was like, Oh my God, this nightmare is over. Like, I mean, it's not, we're still like going to be living out the aftermath of it, but it was like, Oh dude, I didn't even realize that I, how much I was like waiting for to read those words before I even bought that it was going to happen. I was like, I don't know. Obviously people thought something might happen at the Capitol. Um, it was also probably made for good news stories to keep talking about that a little bit, but I mean, they had a lot of troops there. Yeah. Like, I know. They had I mean, 25,000 troops and stuff. I, I was worried something was going to happen. But then when I saw like the, the amount of preparations that they made for it, you, you would have been a full I just, idiot to try anything. Yeah. There's definite consequences to trying to do something during all that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to and why, uh, you know, even though sometimes I think we, you know, factions within the U.S. flirt with the idea of like a full blown uh, revolution is like everybody here has, you know, we compared to the rest of the world are not living at the same level of poverty and stuff like that. I mean, that's not to discount, you know, people in, in our country that are in a, in rough shape and, you know, it's all relative to like what you live around every day and stuff. But, right. you know, these, these people who are protesting Biden and stuff, like they have, they have too much to lose to just go throw themselves into the, the gears of the machine. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, the amount that you would lose if you really joined, like, like you don't have <laughs> you literally have to give up everything if you're going to join a legitimate militia to try to overthrow our government you just like you don't go to work and do that afterwards <laughs> you kind of right have to like do a full buy in yeah yeah you you're you're canceling your kids baseball game if you're going to go uh try to overthrow the government <laughs> no kidding. i feel like uh so that's I. That's what I. Whenever I get uh, hyped up about things, I try to think about that. I'm like, look, people with jobs and families and a mortgage and stuff like like those aren't the kind of people who are going to do some sort of violent over. All of this, all a lot of this comes down to identity, right? It's yeah. like I want to feel like I belong to a group. I want to feel like I'm part of something bigger. I believe these things, and these people believe these things, and I have a place within this community here. And I think that a lot of those people get what they need from that without firing guns at the, at the, you know, soldiers or whatever else. Yeah. Why I mean, can't hopefully. they just go, join the Peace Corps? <laughs> Find some, why do you, there's a lot of places you can belong that don't require you to subscribe to the most wild of conspiracy theories. It's kind of interesting. I, it's like it all goes back. I always think whenever I think about conspiracy theories, I always think about that element of it, like the the community and identity side of it. Because, I mean, if I'm being honest, I've gotten sucked into that world in yeah. the past, uh, especially like right before the years leading up to the point at which I was like, you know, I don't think I buy this Christianity thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to Glenn Beck every day and I got into Alex Jones for a while and I was watching Bohemian Grove and, you know, loose change oh, yeah. 9-11. Like <laughs> it's it's addicting because, the, well, for one, it's compelling. 
like they do a good job of pulling you in and and oh, that's yeah. all based on They're set up real well i watched the only the only um uh documentary if you can call them that but the only uh conspiracy theory youtube video that i ever watched was the one on sandy hook and i was like riding that high for a little bit before i came down off of it and realized oh yeah i I remember watching that one (laughs) it was like a lady talking about you know all the things that were funny looking about the way that they responded to it and stuff yeah and all of this is predicated on you not knowing anything about that stuff though exactly yeah that's that's how it pulls you in is because you're like oh i don't know how medical staff handle like large-scale uh events or tragedies or whatever right or what the response time is in that area yeah like they start with small assertions that like you can entertain without feeling uncomfortable and then you slowly get drawn into a, to a point where you're like you're accepting what the person says about certain things without challenging them at all, you yeah. know. And and then of course uh, a lack of evidence is always uh, cited as evidence. Like oh, like they they for some reason not having information is considered evidence. Uh, Alex Jones doesn't need evidence, dude. He's seen no. the documents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can look it up. It's all on record. Yeah, <laughs> which it's funny when people say that it's just like yeah but you can also just tell us like we know your audience alex jones we know they're not going to www.google.com and looking that up <laughs> like, just Dude, like he, that. Used, he used to be fun like before the trump years like alex he was crazy yeah he was he was nuts but it was like kind of a fun sort of crazy it got <laughs> ugly when he was being endorsed by the president of the of the United States like that I, yeah, I that's when it ugly. became less a fun. little before that is my experience <laughs> with him has been pretty awful given um some of the uh effect that he's had on loved ones <laughs> oh man well dude you know what but, uh little sheeple just stick your head back in the sand one of the things while we're on this like conspiracy theory thing um one of the things I did uh, not too, too long ago, uh, maybe a month or so ago, is I decided to look up Ken Ham videos on YouTube. And for those who don't know, um, and most do who are, would be listening, but Ken Ham is like the number one guy for creationism, creationist, whatever. Uh, He's got the theme park. Yeah, he yeah he built the theme park. He's got like a life size Noah's Ark. If it's hard to call it life size when one never actually existed in real life, but <laughs> oh man, there's probably some really compelling diagrams in there. I bet. Yeah, there's some definitely. Uh, it sounds like there's some pretty cool stuff there. Now I remember when the Creation Museum opened up. I was at Liberty at the time, and I wanted to go because I thought that was still true into into my. 20s i guess ah but, me uh, too <laughs> uh i mean i think maybe my early 20s is when i was like i don't know um and i stopped caring as much but definitely leading up to that it was like i wanted to go to this thing i thought i mean i remember how long they worked on it i thought it would be like a cool thing to do with like my christian friends as a field trip and um of course i never did that because i didn't have that kind of a spontaneous life where i did things but I, I don't know. So anyway, I but anyway, I was I was watching these YouTube videos, listening, and I'm like, 
it, it was a bit weird because I remembered what it was like to hear that and believe it. And it like came flooding back. I was like, oh, this actually, if you don't, if you haven't gone out of your way to unlearn some of the things that you were taught um, about how creation is like, like a six day creation theory or whatever is logical, a six to 10,000 year old universe or world or whatever. Uh, I'm like, it, it really is like, I, I remember when I started feeling like maybe this stuff doesn't, maybe this is just wrong. And I found these podcasts that were put together by, by all, people who did evolutionary biology and um, were obviously like, who was, that's, that was their, you know, field of study. And they, he, they, the the guy who actually I don't remember the name of the podcaster who it was but the guy who put it together was um he he grew up Christian too uh and he actually would go to a church like one Sunday a month and and teach science to their congregation which was pretty cool um that he was able to kind of get into doing that and trying to teach them scientific literacy and why it's like how you know being taught that people came from monkeys is not a good way to look at it because it's a lot more complicated than that. And I, but I remember listening to this guy and learning about uh, like the, like how evolution would really work. And I'm like, okay. So now that he's like building in the, like this foundation for me and painting a picture, like it really started to make sense. And then I could see like a lot of the cracks in the holes in what I was given. And when I watched these Ken Ham videos, it came flooding back like that. Oh my God. Like that feeling of uh, like that Da Vinci code type feeling of like, I just found the biggest secret ever. Like I, I made it like it, I almost, it almost gave me the feeling of, Maybe this is true. Like that's how convincing it felt when he was talking it's, about it's it. It's like a conspiracy theory video. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's kind of why I jumped off from your conspiracy th- conspiracy theory talk on it because that's what cre- creationism is a basically a conspiracy theory. And as I'm like listening, I just, I mean, I probably listened for only ten minutes, but the built the way that he built it up and set a foundation. I'm like, I know what he's saying is wrong, or uh, that he's intentionally. Uh, uh, misrepresenting uh, an idea, but it, or maybe intentionally misunderstanding the idea under the pretense of observing the facts differently, which is kind of their go-to. It's like, well, we're, that's... we're observing the same information, uh, but we're coming to different conclusions. It's like, cool. That doesn't mean you're right. I don't know why you think that's good evidence, but I don't know. It, it was a very strange and like weird, surreal experience to to go back and and listen to those things and f- almost feel like I was being convinced again. And you had to like shake your head and be like, "No, this is dumb. I know this is wrong." Dude, I think there's something about uh, something about those communities. It's like there's a uh, there's kind of like a certain a pride in in being resilient in the face of contradicting information. Yeah. Like, well, it's like you take pride in the fact that like, like I remember at Hillsdale, a guy came in who was a science professor there and spoke at like the Wednesday night church meetup thing. And he was saying like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe in God. And, um, I believe that the Bible is true, but I also believe that, you know, science has a lot to teach us about the world. And I think that, you know, I can 
still be a Christian and not be at odds with my faith in the Bible and still believe that, you know, scientific evidence shows that, you know, we descended from uh, less complex ancestry and stuff. And I just remember sitting there like shaking my head, just being like, I can't believe that I'm sitting here listening to this. This guy, <laughs> he's like, he's a traitor. He's yeah. a, he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's like, this is meant to water down your, your, your faith or something like that. And that's what, I mean, using the word traitor is good. Cause that's what's, I, I that's, what's weird about it is anyone who like they've, because they've like, almost predicated their Christianity on their set of beliefs that they hold as what makes them Christian. Like uh, without a lot of wiggle room for being different and still being Christian, they they've been able to craft this world for these people who are, who are captivated by it. I suppose it's kind of like a crafting of like um changing your mind about something that they're telling you is true. And because the Bible says it is then saying the Bible's just wrong or that like, and and it, it it puts changing your mind about something on the same level as being an apostate to some degree. Um, I don't think they would ever act as though it was that extreme, but I mean, given the experience that I have with people who are still in it and have never even taken the time to listen to uh, anything uh, from uh, and I, I'll have conversations with them and it doesn't really feel like they're really listening. Um, or if they do the next time we have a conversation about it, it's like, we never had the first one. So what I'm like, there's like there, that resilience of like, I, I can't change my mind because then, because then I, that's like the slippery slope to not being a Christian or worse being a liberal Christian or right. I don't know. It's right. like but equating changing your mind and losing your faith is kind of what that comes down to. It's like a sign of weakness if you change your mind because all that's been instilled in, in these communities is the world is coming against you. The world hates the Bible. The world hates Christians. The world ha- and then after just getting that message and that and, and internalizing it, it's like changing your mind to believe or be swayed by an idea that 80% of people outside of your circle think uh, based on reasonable, credible evidence is considered giving yourself up to the world. And, and just, it just is unfortunate, I guess that there isn't more of uh, the ability to have conversations about any of these things. Uh this this ties like right into that uh, that section of my textbook, and I know we posted that on the on the Instagram page, but yeah, this is really interesting, and I think this is something that's worth noting. So I I went on eBay and bought some of the old uh, ACE or Accelerated Christian Education textbooks <laughs> that a, I that's used. That's a great great buy. Accelerated. Uh, I went to an ACE school from part of fourth grade and then fifth grade all the way through till I graduated. And so this is the introduction to physical science. And this is one section of it that we highlighted. So it says, although may, many modern scientific discoveries are not mentioned in scripture, any scientific theory should be compared with scripture. True science will never contradict the Bible because God created both the universe and scripture. Some scientists may like the early philosophers 
contradict the Bible because their interpretation of their observations or their philosophical presuppositions are wrong. But the Bible, God's word, is infallible. If a scientific theory contradicts the Bible, then the theory is wrong and must be discarded. If man had a complete understanding of the universe and a perfect understanding of scriptures, it would be evident that there is no disagreement between them. And this is like all of the setup <laughs> for this section. They talked about like, uh, you know, early philosophers and, and astrologers and stuff like that, you know, and some of their their theories and stuff about how, you know, there's like earth, water and ether are the three elements and the, oh, the yeah, universe yeah. Resol- revolves around the earth. And it kind of sets up this whole thing where it's like scientists have been getting things wrong for a long time. It doesn't really talk a whole lot about the fact that they're like, and we used to kill them for it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) When scientists say something wrong, we like to chalk their heads off or boil them in oil or, you know, just a good old fashioned drowning. (laughs) And but dude, it's wild because when. Just based on what you read and then the obvious (laughs) that you pointed out that throughout history, people who have typically gone against church thinking uh, have been uh, maybe not had lived their life to the fullest. Like I, it's just so strange that essentially the, the, the full narrative of what they're telling people or what you've got as an education is, um, just do what you're told. Do what we tell you. Everybody else is wrong. Because if, if what they're telling you goes against the Bible or what we tell you the Bible says, then they're wrong. You need to listen to us. If, you know, and then throughout those moments where the church was in control of things like science, you would have people go against what the church said. And they're like, well, you're an apostate. We're going to kill you. All they've ever, like, I mean, th- historically, the church has... I think almost the renditions of church that we've had is because the people who hold the views that also hold a level of power, they kind of just snuff out the competition. It's like, even when I think of what some of the things that I believe are, if you go back to like your early church fathers, the amount of people who are ruled heretics uh, is a lot. And I remember at Liberty taking a class, like a church history class. And there were, I remember reading about some of these people who were deemed heretics. And before they got to the point where they're like, and that theology made them heretics. I'm reading through it. I'm like, Hey, that sounds pretty good. Oh, that that sounds really super reasonable. That's an interesting way to look at it. And you're like, and then they were murdered for their beliefs because, and (laughs) Oh, okay. That's interesting. I guess they were wrong, but no, they were like, they might not have been, they were looking at things a different way, but it, it, it called in question, uh, the, the, whatever the, more popularly held beliefs were and God forbid someone go over with that guy and you don't get to control everything anymore. And I I would, I want to believe that it wasn't all about just control, but I'm not entirely convinced it wasn't mostly that. And what I would almost think is these like small pockets that have popped. I mean, even looking at it today, looking at the way uh, the, evangelical culture rules today um i mean what it was 
I, and of course, saying evangelical, I, I do mostly mean white evangelicalism. I mean, the, I, it was mil, I forget the. I don't remember. Do you remember what the numbers were that turned out to vote for Trump like the first time around for white evangelicals? Do I remember random statistics? Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry, we should. <laughs> we need to call Chad Daniels. <laughs> Chad would know. I, I bet he actually would know that. Uh, he would just think there wasn't a problem with it. Well, <laughs> I would think there was. Um, sorry, Chad. I, you should be here if we're going to talk about you like this. Um, <laughs> anyway, when you look at the, how Trump received um, about 80% of the white evangelical vote, it's like they, they, they hold a lot of power. I mean, if it wasn't that, – that's a good segment of the population. And, they were, and then even this time around, it was still – in the high seventies, it didn't change much. Um, and I'm fairly convinced now that that's what is, it's, it's the same game. It's like, it's a seat at the table. It's, it's the, it's the getting to shape the way the world works. And, And I'm not saying you're not doing it because you think you're right, but I'm saying when you've turned your religion about a guy who was crucified by the state into, we need to dictate and, and create this world based on the way we want to live uh, through power and force. Like uh, maybe you're, you're the people who killed the scientists when they said that the, the earth was the middle of the, the universe or, I mean, just, I, I think that that's, there is definitely some truth to that, but I don't know that that's necessarily like a religious problem. I think that's a power structure problem that's inherent in a lot of different human institutions. You know, the, um, I think that to, to like cast it in a, in an opposite light, there's a lot of people that would say the scientific community is pretty similar. You know, some of the people that I've listened to on podcasts and stuff that are proposing theories that kind of contradict, uh, the, the standard, line from the scientific community, they face a lot of the same resistance and ostracizing and ostracization. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say, but, uh, one of them, one of them's like, you know, there's a lot of disagreement now on when humans emerged and, and started, uh, you know, really congregating. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. Uh, I'm on board. I I don't, (laughs) you haven't lost me yet. It's the, it's the same that whenever there's power to be had, there's a group of people trying to keep it. And uh, it just used to be that that was the church. You know, the church was the state and it protected its power at all costs. Now the state, you know, in its current form does the exact same thing. I mean, that's that's why we have 85 year old politicians that don't even know yeah. where they are half the time. And they're voting <laughs> on rules for the rest of us. <laughs> I th- I want to I, I I would push back a little bit on the uh, not that there aren't people within the scientific community that don't want um, to shake things up or want things shaken up or want to resist new ideas. I don't really, from my understanding, don't really know that it. Unless the people who have a lot to lose are the ones who maybe built a theory. So if you if you presented a I don't know if you were one of the the head researchers or discoverers of uh, something that's become popular belief within the scientific community and someone's trying to shut that down. Yeah. 
the, the I mean, the person who made the discovery does not want, they don't want to lose that, that award, I suppose of, uh, it's more, I, I can imagine there's some ego in that, but as a whole, the scientific community, like their whole, everybody in it wants to be the one to come up with something new and to find a way to break what people understand to be true. Right. And I mean, the way that like the peer review process works is like, it's, it's anonymous. Nobody knows whose things there. Um, no one knows which art, like who, you don't, if it could be your best friend and you don't know you're reading your best friend's work. And it's also, no one's actually, um, they're not really criticizing the content as much as they are the evidence. So it's like, uh, you could actually, I mean, you might see this in the way that like, when you look at the way, um, all this shit got spread around about vaccines causing autism and stuff like that. That was a failure in process, uh, because, he cited evidence in his paper that got peer reviewed and it wasn't properly reviewed. Um, and you can go back and look at where they failed to do the, you can look at where the peer review process just failed. Um, but it doesn't often. And then it was because of the peer review process that the course got corrected. Not that there hasn't been a lot of damage done. And now we have people who won't get a fucking COVID vaccine, which is driving me nuts, but it, the scientific process is geared towards uh, towards discovery and and in reviewing evidence and whether or not the evidence makes sense, even if you don't agree with the claims that someone's making based on the evidence. Um, so I guess it's a little bit I, I different would, than right. Well, I think I think I was more just talking about like when there's cherished beliefs, those beliefs are hard to let go of, even when there's yeah appropriate challenges to them. And, and I think that part of it too, is the fact that like, there was such a clear hierarchical structure in some of these, uh, you know, some of the things that we're talking about, like the, the scientific community isn't necessarily like an, a, uh, homogenous unit that does things yeah. and doesn't do things. And, st- you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's a, it's a collective of a ton of different people. Right. And I know very little about this. I'm just repeating stuff that I heard on Joe Rogan. (laughs) But (laughs) I I think that, uh, you know, I just think that it stands to reason that like whenever there's power held by a certain group, that group does what it can to hold that power. I think the reason that it's hard to swallow when it's coming from religion is just because you want to hold power. I mean, Everybody understands that, but you want to hold power and have the moral high ground. That's where things become an issue, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, but the irony of mixing power with religion is, uh, and I think it's more than appropriate to harp on the understanding of like wanting to hold. I, it, it is tough because I understand, like I have opinions about how I think the world should work and function and I get to vote on that. That's fine. Like everyone can do that. That's what's cool about a democracy. But when you build up the stakes to what they are, I think what I, what I feel like I've seen in like the conservative evangelical or fundamentalist movements is um, they, it, it feels to me like, and I think this is similar to going back to when you would see the church and the state mixed when, when you mix like a religion 
like Christianity with some with the power of a state or a, a group that can make big changes, even if it's not the state as a whole, like it's not like the church of England um, at the, but it, it, I understand that there's more of a separation between church and state here, but there we can see the clear ties between conservative evangelicalism and fundamentalism with, um, with certain right wing politics. But I just get, uh, it feels a little weird when you look at, the Christian faith, because it's not really, it, it really, to me is the opposite of that. And that's what I just am like, if, if you want to hold your power and you want to have your beliefs and you want to f- try to make everyone like have to live under the umbrella of your idea of what America should be, I'm not really going to criticize most people for that. That's what, but I think when you start tying, when it, tying it to your, your faith or your religion in a way that's just like, this is what God wants. This is what, like, if, I don't, if you're just like going to be like that, then that's fine. Um, but trying to pull Jesus into it and say that, like, this is the way that the like, God wants and God's using Trump and, God, and like mixing all this God language with what's going on um, and always believing that the way you think is also the way that God thinks. It's just a little like outlandish uh, and, it's a, to me, it's like a brand new thing. It's like a, it's not new as far as it's newly developed. And this is the first time in history it's shown up. It's just, um, it's more of a co-opting of, of what I think the intention uh, and purpose and message of what like Jesus was trying to do is. And it's just mostly dangerous when you do that because uh, you, you tie people's salvation to it. And then they're just like, I don't want to go to hell. And these people tell me what's right and what's wrong and how to think. And, and you just go along for the ride and it's hard to get off that train and it's moving as fast as it is. Maybe just being a, a wishy-washy liberal Christian, you just don't understand conviction anymore. You're right. I mean, could that be it? It is. That's it. I don't feel <laughs> convicted about anything anymore. I'm a total degenerate now. <laughs> Dude, you were uh, hearing go go you and i were talking earlier this week i wanted to i wanted to hit you on this um you were talking about how when you think about it uh christianity especially the the one that we grew up in had like all these parallel institutions and i thought that was a really interesting point (laughs) um when we started thinking about like uh you know christian movies christian music uh, you, you mentioned you were in like a Christian Boy Scouts. Yeah, it's hard to call it Boy Scouts. <laughs> it's hard to call it Boy Scouts, uh, but it's. <laughs> I was in this thing called Pioneer Club, <laughs> and uh, it was at a church, and we would do things like make clocks, uh, or it was like you would make do these like clocks. Little, yeah, I wish I could remember more about it than just making clocks, but. Uh, you would, but you would like wear your vest and get little badges. Um, I remember one of the badges you had to get by singing a song in front of your like troop. <laughs> it's like this, like a this little light of mine. Or uh, I remember one girl sang the B I B L E. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know. That might be a deep cut for Classic. some people. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Uh, but that's the book for me. Yeah, <laughs> but 
I remember that was that was the one badge I didn't get. I could not bear the thought of singing in front of people. I think uh, like the Boy Scouts. So I went to one Boy Scout meeting and I thought this is boring. I want to watch Aladdin. And <laughs> so I quit. I feel like you managed to make the Boy Scouts even worse. <laughs> oh my god! It. I honestly don't know what it was trying to do or trying to be, but it it was. Boy Scouts is kind of like a Christian thing anyway. Um, I thought so, yeah. It's just too loosey-goosey for the kind of Christian I was. <laughs> uh, like, it wasn't – like, I don't think you kids can build a fire. Who wants to sing and make clocks? <laughs> yeah. And it was like a – it's like they went to like Five Below and got a bunch of build-your-own-clock kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so prep. Those Those were definitely unpaid parents that were prepping uh, for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a, there it was a guy named it was a guy named volunteer. It was a guy who volunteered. He was like the he might have been the pastor. I think he lived like the what's it called when the church has a house on the property? Is that a, par- uh, no, a parsonage? Parish. Yeah, parsonage. He lived in the parsonage, and I actually remember him being like a really nice, fun guy. Uh, I'm sure he was just trying to do something fun for the kids. But I mean, parallel, Christians love parallel institutions. They can't. Because when I went to um, when I went to and acquire the fire in high school, like their big their big deal was to get rid of everything uh, that like any clothing that was branded uh, with anything secular. It was like a get rid of your non Christian music. W- only wear things that are like Christian, and then of course like you can go on that you can go out to the the parking lot and you know spend a thousand dollars on apparel from them and <laughs> you throw away your no fear t-shirt and get the one that says real fear and a scripture yeah. verse was it there was all the ones that were like that can't it's like the jesus peanut butter cups is like in that font <laughs> yeah. um dude i okay speaking of uh christian apparel um oh god i this is confession time because this is going this hurts I had a t-shirt that said um, abortion is homicide on it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I hope you still have that somewhere. uh, God, I don't. It was a small and I got too big for that eventually. So that was part of your witnessing strategy was to wear that in public? So not only – okay. Not only was it my witnessing strategy to wear it in public, I believe I maybe quickly mentioned previously that – I was in a band in high school. I know I mentioned that, but I was like, and I did the, the screaming for it. And I just, I wanted to figure out how to make it known that I was the Christian kid, even though I wasn't in a Christian band and I wasn't doing like Jesus lyrics. But when we did a show at our, we, there was like this thing where, I mean, it's a great scheme, man. It's like the, one of the venues near us, kids would sell tickets and pay to get on the bill for this little weekend festival of local bands that no one, like that was the just only audience music in like yeah. 2000 to 2010. Maybe it's yeah. still happening. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe that's still the business model. It's a, I mean, it's a good business model and everyone who's like 16 years old thinks that that's going to be their like big break. Like it's like when kids play sports and they hear that there's a college scout in the, like in the stands, they like, all like lose their shit that was like us thinking someone from uh victory records was at <laughs> our local venue checking that out but i i wore that shirt um when we played our show and 
I just still feel awkward and uncomfortable when I think about it. I remember one kid in the audience yelling, abortion's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Abortion abortion homicide would be like a pretty good death metal band name. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Write it in a font that no one can read. (laughs) It looks like a bunch of like squiggly sticks stacked in a pile. (laughs) Oh, I have a question for you. Did you ever have a cross necklace made out of tiny nails? No, I never wore any jewelry. I don't think I did either, but I did have <laughs> one. I thought that was pretty, pretty dope. Made out of tiny nails. Yeah. Actually, I uh, I made a necklace out of pennies once because me and my friend drilled a bunch of holes in them and, I don't know, wore it. <laughs> I thought it was cool for a second. <laughs> I don't think that counts as witnessing, but, you know. It doesn't. It counts as defacing <laughs> government property. Some people made very clear to me. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. That's a, I didn't think about that. You know, that's a crime. It's like, it's a penny. They're like, that's still illegal. I'm like, ah, shoot. And then I got scared. So I stopped wearing it because I didn't want to get arrested. (laughs) How did I get on this dangerous path? (laughs) FBI wanted this. (laughs) Did it, there was some like, speaking of like, uh, you know, Sunday school songs that you sing. Uh, we sang one about obedience, which is super weird to me. I was just thinking about the other day, but it was like, uh, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. I forget what the rest of it was, but I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, what a strange form of brainwashing. That's yeah. I mean, you do stuff like that at a young age. That's how you bring up like Nazi children and shit. Like, it's just the same tactics. It's luckily I'm not saying okay, I'm not saying that the people who did that are equivalent to Nazis. I'm just saying like it's it is kind of it is brainwashing technique. It's just gross. I mean, I yeah. even think I remember not to get under anyone's skin with this. I don't know if it will. Um at my Christian school having to say the pledge of allegiance. And it's like the irony of being a Christian where your allegiance is supposedly to that. And you just every morning, like you'll, you just look at a flag and pledge your allegiance to it. I'm like, isn't that not really the Christian flag? No, no. To the American flag. Oh, see, we did, we did the American flag, Christian flag. What? And I heard somebody say that they pledged to the Bible, but I don't remember doing that. I think we just did. Sorry, go. I think we just did those two and then we prayed every morning at the at the learning center. Jeez, and uh, everybody, everybody's desk had an American flag and a Christian flag on it. And like no when you need way. to score your work, you know, go up and check your answers. You raised your American flag and the teacher would be like, or <laughs> when you needed like help, like the teacher needed to stop by your desk because you're a child teaching yourself math. <laughs> you'd raise your Christian flag. And some people just <laughs> sat at the teacher's desk 24-7, which was super. <laughs> Those are the kids who missed their mommies too much, I think. <laughs> yeah, there was like a couple kids in our school that like would not do schoolwork unless they were sitting at the teacher's desk with him staring at him. And that's a problem when you have one qualified teacher. I'm sure they did really well in college after that. <laughs> The, the first day of their freshman class, they have like 200 kids in one of their like intro level classes and they just pull their chair up to the professor's desk. He's like, what, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, oh, this Every is just how I do school. 
Like this isn't how anyone does school. Like, oh, this is what I did in high school. In high school? <laughs> Dude, every single one of them moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, worked at the Kellogg factory picking burnt cornflakes <laughs> off the assembly line. At least I'm assuming. It sounds like you have some good uh good inside information on how that's definitely true of at least one of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think like what what some of them were. I mean, Christian music was big, like oh, for, yeah. for us because that was like one of the few things that we did that we felt like was cool. And Dude, I'll be honest, it got when when I when you realize like you you don't when it comes to the arts outside of you know a good few hundred years ago when Christians were you know painting things that were nice and are in museums now like. You, um, Thomas Kincaid. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't, what do I know about art? Um, <laughs> but Christians actually contributed to metal, and like metalcore uh-huh. was essentially established because of Christian kids like starting metal bands. And not that there, I mean, there were plenty of metalcore bands that weren't Christian, but really, some of the biggest names in metalcore were all Christian bands, and like. That that at the time did feel really good to me that that was my first experience with Christians doing something subculture and doing it right. It was, I don't yeah, know other examples. There was like a ton of, of the main headlining bands that were that were Christian at the time. Yeah. And that was like, the coolest. Yeah, like between uh not to get too in the weeds on it, but like I mean, an era of just like launching bands that sounded just like those bands was like Under Oath, Norman Jean, The Chariot, August Burns Red. You, those bands right there like dictated what 15 year old kids did for the next like five, six years. Yeah. As it lay dying. Yep. Before Tim Lambesis tried to have his wife murdered. That's okay. Add that to the dream list. Yeah. I want to talk to Tim Lambesis. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, I want to catch him right after like a uh, a testosterone bump and just get the full <laughs> unfiltered crazy. I think he's sober now, right? He's back on like uh, the ultra Jesus kick. I think. Yeah he he apparently like burned himself really bad. Did you see that on Instagram? <laughs> uh, he, he where are we going? Was like <laughs> dumping a gas can onto a fire, and then the lid fell off, and just like scorched his nipples off and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in the hospital. Uh, Tim Lambesis news. Catch it here. <laughs> For all here, Tim Lambesis news. Um, I don't know, man. When it comes to the like that again, like I'm glad they did that right because the t- the age that I was and when I got into it, um, I had. I I was trying to find music that worked for me before that. And of course, all the inch, the bands that were like introed me to heavy music with by being mainstream and not heavy really at all. But like you would have uh, like who, who, who didn't get it into um, Lincoln park. Right. It's like, I still listen to Lincoln park like yeah. every week. <laughs> and him doing that screamy thing and having that be on the radio, you're like, Oh, I think I like this. Um, so 
But there, I remember even before that, when I was trying to find my musical taste, this is pretty funny. I had bought a, I believe it was, I ordered a Matchbox 20 album on the internet. Uh, not on the internet, through a, like a magazine where you would like order stuff. And I had, I mean, I didn't have a credit card or I wasn't about to mail in a check or money order. So I, of course, like, my mom ordered it for me. And I mean, my mom knew Matchbox 20 from the radio. Um, of course, family friendly music, no issues there. Get the album. And there's a song where he said, I don't know, he says, God damn, in one of the songs. And I was like, oh, like, got sweaty. It's like, face definitely felt warm and red. I'm sitting upstairs with my uh, Walkman or Discman, I should say. Um, and I'm like, I need to, I don't, I don't know if I can own this. Like, my parents are going to find this and they're <laughs> going to hear it. I probably, I, I, I brought it back to my parents to return it. <laughs> Wait, Jesus came back right this second, son. Is this what you want to be listening to? Yeah. I, I, I don't know I why I felt so weird about it. Like what's so strange about the way that they would like view things like that. It's like, I would watch, you watch movies in TV and everything where people use words like that. And then it comes to music and you're like conditioned to think that like, like the pit of hell just opened up right in front of you and that you're about to fall in it. If you don't get rid of it, they treated music like it had some sort of weird hypnotic power, but I yeah. think they do that with anything that you liked too much. Like if you liked <laughs> anything too much, it's like, ah, uh, you really, yeah, you probably should cut that out. This is becoming an idol. Yeah. There was like the, I mean the idea that like influence had a bigger, um, for some reason had a bigger influence on you than than like movies or tv um and arguably it probably does i guess um i feel like in a lot of ways music has had an influence i mean i feel like most kids feel influenced by their music in one way or another yeah i, I would eventually get sort of more weird, than like hypnotic way yeah it's no like, no <laughs> this this is uh you know i still think like music is a big part of like uh you know, mood and attitude control for me. Like I can recenter myself if I have a few yeah. minutes in my truck to just sort of like put on some music and kind of uh, just get my head together. I do that like before I'm going to do a training meeting or something. Cause I do, a, I do a ton of public speaking for work. Yeah. So that's what I like to do. I like to sit in my truck, uh, dose myself full of Kratom and listen to some metal. <laughs> you want to know something you have, that uh, really sad? Is like, what? I so I remember one time when I was maybe in like junior high, my mom had heard this like Savage Garden song. Remember them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to dance with you on a mountain. Uh, so she had heard this Savage that Garden. Sounds like crazy worship lyrics, dude. I want to dance with you on a mountain. She mm. uh, really liked it. And so she figured out what the band was somehow and went and bought a Savage Garden CD. And she was pumped about it. She really liked it. And I remember her telling someone about it. I don't remember if it was at church or where. It was someone, though. Uh, one of her, like, lady friends, like, guilt-tripped her about the lyrics, which I don't think they were anything. I don't think there was anything, like, no. wrong or nefarious about Savage Garden. <laughs> But, Other than their band name being the worst band name of all time. Yeah. 
That's yeah, awful. That would have been a better Savage death. Garden is disgusting. I hate that name so much. Dude, they, she like loved it. And this lady like guilt tripped her hard about it, about like the lyrics she was listening to and letting her kids listen to and stuff. And so she threw it away. And wow. that's the kind of stuff like when you, you know, I think when you get mad at people sometimes for this or that or the other, or you, it's, it's easy to look at like people who were in authority when you were that age and, and blame yeah. them for how you internalized something that they didn't mean in a negative way or whatever. It's like, you have to think about that sometimes and think like this same thing was being done to them too. Yeah. Like she couldn't even enjoy this, this song that she liked. And it's just, it's terrible. Yeah. They're past all that now, you know, but I did that. I did the exact same thing as you with matchbox 20. I did it with uh, my, my copy of Lincoln park hybrid theory, which is a great album. Because he screams shut up when I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was like, I don't know if this is, I feel like this might have a negative effect on my outlook and my attitude. This, It's a bad influence on me. And so I threw it away and I loved it. Oh, God. I think Did I mentioned you- on a, one of the episodes that we like uh, spiked, but I feel like, like you know, when uh, they talk about, how people develop fetishes. It's like something yeah. happens to them in their early teen years and it imprints. Yeah. Yeah. And on this, like, <laughs> Oh, you like uh, ladies toes or whatever. Like, <laughs> or if you read, um, preparing for adolescence by James Dobson, he'll turn you on the ladies feet real quick. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets me, gets me harder than, uh, an old man telling me not to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's how that's new metal with me. Like my musical uh, interest never evolved past that point. Like I still listen to Lincoln Park and uh, you know all the Christian equivalents. Disciple. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> dude. Did you ever try to do the thing? Because uh, it sounds like you were. I, I don't know if you were making all these good choices on your own because you were a good boy, or if um you like your parents made a deal out of not listening to music that wasn't wholesome or non-Christian. Um, but for me in the groups that I was in, like youth group, whatever, there was always this like desperate attempt to try to connect any band you liked to Christianity so you could listen to it. Yes. Um, yeah. Like someone from new, I heard that uh, the bassist in newfound glory is a Christian. Like you would just say something like that um, until like, it got around enough where people were really convinced about it. And and you would do it to bands that might have like newfound glory was like, they did nothing wrong with them. But I remember thinking, I don't know, they have some lyric in their, um, the sticks and stones album, which was like my intro to pop punk. And I've loved it ever since. And I still listen to that album. I mean, at least a couple times a year. And, um, but it, something about, I don't know. I, well, I sleeping with you or I, I don't know. It's something really generic about sleeping in the same bed as somebody else. And I remember at my, at like 13, 14 being like, Hmm, I don't know if I should be listening to this. Like that's how internal I am. you internalize the message. You're like, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing it over and over and over again. Now I'm singing it. I'm speaking it out loud. I'm going to start thinking like this pretty soon. And you're like, this is a slippery slope when you start. Cause you're maybe that's the power of it. Parents are like, you're singing along with these lyrics. And before you know it, it goes from word to deed. And now you're just a bad person. 
Yeah. No, that's that's exactly how I felt about things too. Because I remember for a while, I went through some real like some stages where I just kind of had a plug and play identity that I tried out for a while. <laughs> for a minute, I was like, I'm a redneck. I like to hunt. I like guns. <laughs> I like steel toe boots. And I like country music. And yeah, the same thing with country music where it's like you list, you got a Garth Brooks album and you start kind of feeling like, I don't know. He sings a lot about women and love interests and stuff. Like, I just, I don't know if this is a great thing for me to be hearing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there's, and there's like, there are crazy people that came in and taught sermons and stuff about music and, and really pushed that message. I don't feel like we really paid that close of attention to that. Like we all kind of roll our eyes when they'd go off on like Christian rock, oh, yeah. or something. but there was still like, you had this kind of nagging feeling. It's like, it's not so much about someone telling it to you, but more about how you internalize that message. Yeah. And it made you feel like you couldn't enjoy certain things. Like if you enjoyed something too much and it wasn't like God centered, you had to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like guilt tripping my sister about, uh, Oh dude, what was it? Oh, she got the Lizzie McGuire movie soundtrack and she was just <laughs> that hard for a while. And I was just like, this is, you know, these lyrics and stuff, they're just, they're, they're so shallow and meaningless and like you should, you really shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> I don't care. She just burned a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I remember think like, it's funny with like you getting rid of the Lincoln park album because of the whole shut up when I'm talking to you thing. I remember, um, cause that was one of their singles, right? So I remember occasionally when I'd be in the car with my parents, uh, I was in the car with my mom and she'd let us kind of go with the radio or whatever, like just do play, put it on whenever we wanted. And that song was on and I was in high school at the time. I, I must've been in high school, which is arguably way too old to try to convince your parents that you're, that it's okay for you to listen to music that can be played on the radio. But I, that song came on and I immediately went to the, did you I maybe you heard the same thing someone in that band was supposedly a christian and that's why they're they didn't swear in their music did you was that something you heard as well or is that just uh was that a me thing which band lincoln park oh no i don't think i ever heard that about lincoln park no i heard that someone in that band was a christian and that came on and i, I mentioned it to my mom oh so someone so in this band's a christian and I was like, oh, and then, <laughs> and then it gets to the shut up when I'm talking. And she's like, this doesn't sound very Christian. I was like, yeah, it's just the word shut. Like I remember trying to be like, it's, he's just saying shut up. Like we say shut up. And she's like, he just sounds really angry about it. <laughs> Something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. It's the tone. What's like the last band that you remember doing that to where you like consciously stopped listening to them or something because you didn't feel like you should. It uh, it probably was just with that Matchbox Twenty album. I I remember thinking Atreyu was a Christian band for a while, and then I heard one of their songs where the dude cussed, and I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> I I guess I, this I definitely got past all that a little bit. Like I think sooner than other people. Like, and I was able to just be like, "I can, I guess I can just listen to this, and it doesn't matter." Because I remember listening to like. 
I mean, I think I even brought them up before, but like, I, I was such a big Black Dahlia Murder fan for a long time that they just had wild, gross lyrics. And it was just like, it, you'd watch their music videos and they were goofy and comical and weird. And then to have like these lyrics in the background about like sometimes murder or something just wild. Um, that's when I was like, oh, you can just listen to this stuff. Like, it's not. I just they were one of those bands that made me realize like this this doesn't matter like they're really good and their lyrics are insane and I can just like them for liking them but I did always have an affinity for college what I don't think I got there until I got to Liberty okay I mean it might have been right before Liberty for me it was like se- maybe senior in high school um, is when I really started to feel that way i mean it's arguably still too late for <laughs> you're like 18 years old and you're like i guess i can just listen to things <laughs> like i don't know it would have been cool to get there earlier but you want to talk about like cringy things in christian music uh did you ever hear that song you, you know kj52 is oh i i that yeah i do know who he is and that's the type of stuff like that where Christians trying to be relevant music. I never bought into ever. Oh my God. I really didn't like him. He'd sang like a stupid song about Mountain Dew and stuff. Cause I like Christian. He's the, Eminem guy, for the people who don't know, he was the white rapper who was that Christians would listen to instead of Eminem. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I was going to say is like, he had this song called dear slim and it's like him writing a letter to Eminem about how God loves him and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure if Eminem ever heard that, he would have just like either he would have track about him. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, done something like that. But it was it's awful. If you go back and listen to it now, like it is the cringiest garbage. Terrible. Ugh. I. Also, the arrogance that you have to have to do that because he's <laughs> right. writing that song. I'm writing this song to you because we sound the same. Like, get the fuck out of your own way, dude. <laughs> KJ52 had like a really specific, like this really weird way of talking and, and enunciating that no one has. Like, he definitely decided, like, this is my thing. I'm going to talk like this. And uh, <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's the worst. It's like, you know, people say I sound like you, and I used to get mad saying that wasn't me, but, you know, now I'm okay with it, and I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah. Go listen to uh, it. You're slim. Yeah, I'm going There's to. Music video. I'm sure that's riveting. Is it just him writing a letter? But didn't, didn't, uh, <laughs> pen. didn't Eminem, what was Eminem's song about Dear Slim? What was the song he wrote to himself? Who's the guy who ended up uh, killing himself or something like that? I don't know. I mean, I don't listen to Eminem. Oh, God. I always – that's what's funny. I had a friend that got me into like just listening to like music that I wasn't supposed to listen to. So I got all the that stuff, like the real Slim Shady at like a young age. I never would have owned it. Uh, I would have felt guilty about buying it or something. But I would I, I would hear it at a friend's house and, and was fine with it that way. I don't know what the difference was for me, but – I wasn't smart and I wasn't uh, really trying to process this information <laughs> too thoroughly. So, <laughs> so were you like, uh, were you really into Christian rock? You weren't, were you? No, uh, I just got it. Like it was, the, I wasn't into really Christian any, I felt like a lot of Christian music 
even though I wouldn't listen to a lot of secular music, I felt like a lot of Christian music was just too try hard. It just was off putting. There's a couple of bands that I got into that were Christians and they were probably, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can call it even rock, but my, my real dive into music. I think that's why I didn't really get into music until I was like later in high school, like maybe a senior was because the Christian music that I knew existed that I felt like I could listen to felt pathetic in a lot of ways. And then I, <laughs> I mean, I would get into like the hits uh, that, but cause pop punk had its heyday on the radio. And I like that, that's, that was helpful. Cause you know, you would have newfound glory, some 41, whatever. Um, the simple, you had simple plan and FM you, static. There was like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're like coming back with Christian names. <laughs> and uh but yeah i just couldn't really get into i just didn't despite being super christian felt weird about a lot of like those like christian rock bands so i didn't see we got to get a guest on that was like uh as balls deep into it as i was because i just want to throw around band names you know <laughs> oh oh i got a question for you like a good, uh, a good, like last question of the night. Cause I know you were like really interested in being into, you know, getting into music. You were in the band. Yeah. Was there a concert that you went to that like made you feel like I got, I got to get into music. Like this is what I want to do. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. It was my first, co- it was my actually my first concert outside of like, no. Yeah. It was my first, my first show. It was, um, it was a Treyu, Norma Jean, Unearth, Scars of Tomorrow, and oh, that was it. But watching Norma Jean play and Unearth play, man, and a Treyu, a Treyu is like they're like you're like kind of glam rocky for like whatever. It's like it was not glam rock, but like you know how they were all like prettied up, and it was like kind of the emo screamo music. Then they're all like really hot dudes, and they they dress nice, and then you have like your unearthed where they're kind of like trashy and like it's just like the long hair metal guys that don't really care yeah um, it, it was kind of like but i remember watching a tray you play and just being it, they were very they're showmen and i was like really into it but then like norma jean was just nuts i mean just them being all over the place all over the like I, that watching that and and seeing music like that for the first time live i've I'm surprised they didn't just weep the entire way home. It was like a life-changing experience. So that was the first concert you ever went to? Yeah. That's why I'm telling you, I wasn't really into music. And then I I was driving at that point, and I had been introduced to Norma Jean and started listening to them. And uh, a friend told me – I saw in the paper, like the paper – that we that, that they were going to the Worcester Palladium uh, for the local oh, folks. I heard that. And yeah, but and so I I went with people who didn't like that kind of music. They're just people I knew that I was like friends with. I was like, "Let you guys want to go?" And they're like, "Sure, we'll just do something." And then they're like, "What are we doing? <laughs> this is a weird thing. I didn't know about this, dude." If but, you 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 had to be like involved in it to some extent to know i'm sure but in that like early to mid 2000s even a little bit later yeah there was no one cooler in that scene than norma jean no like, i mean they're... i feel like they were the the most important band in all of that whole thing uh that's the one that everybody like professed to loving and 
you know, you drive four and a half hours to go to a Norma Jean show. Yeah. And then everyone crafted their bands to try to sound like them, throw a bunch of distortion on their guitar. What, um, what was your show when you were like, I have to do this? Oh, so my buddy Jesse and I went to one, it was in junior high. So it was a little earlier. Whoa. But, uh, we, we went with like one of, he had two youth groups. So he had our youth group and then he cheated on us with this youth group. <laughs> So oh, once man. I go up there, I'm like, the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had like, uh, you know, girls that I didn't know. So that was kind of exciting to go up there. But uh, they did a youth group activity where they went to see Skillet. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was – they were a lot of people's first, man. <laughs> yeah, I had been to some shows before that. I think my first concert was Michael W. Smith, which is pretty dope. <laughs> Um, you know, singing that Columbine song, and then uh, I went and saw uh, Sanctus Real at the fairgrounds one year. I remember them. Not very exciting. That is some bland, boring white bread khaki pants music <laughs> with pleats. Those khaki pants have fucking pleats for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did the the skillet? One though that was like that was a, a formative experience for me, and that was early on. Like I didn't do music for a long time until you know after that. But that was when I started like practicing singing and screaming all the time. And and then we went to one at, when I was at Hillsdale. We went to a couple of different concerts. So uh, f- we went and saw Disciple with Kids in the Way, which is two big Christian band names. Yep. Uh, which was a really cool show at the time. I don't know. It, I don't know how it would hold up now, but I had a great time. I loved it. And then uh, we drove clear up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to a place called the Intersection. That was like the big venue up there. And we saw Haste the Day. Uh, it dies today. Haste the Day was a big deal for me for a long time. They it, were, yeah, that's what like one of the today. fans. It dies Someone else from today. today. <laughs> it's like the same name. What was the? There was one that was played with them that was around a lot for a while. They had a, a their big song was called Vulture. I, really I don't remember. I never knew. I was so bad with song titles. A life once lost. Okay, that's who it was. I didn't know that. But yeah, that, that Haste the Day show was like. That was mind blowing. And then we went and saw Evergreen Terrace after that in Lansing, <laughs> which is cool. I love Evergreen Terrace. I remember trying to learn to scream to um, my poor mom, dude. I my The way my house was set up was like it was all basically like one floor. Uh, but then there was like this loft like room that took up like half the house at the top. It was like the you go upstairs and then half the house was just like this big open room. And that was me and my brother's bedroom growing up. And it was a great setup for, I mean, for people who like me and my brother are close in age. We got along great. We hung out a lot. Like you, you couldn't imagine a better setup. But at that point in my life, I guess I wasn't overly aware of how sound travels. And <laughs> I'm definitely aware of it now having like a 17 year old, uh, living, he's, I have a bedroom in my basement. And I mean, you just hear everything all the time. You're like, yeah, <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> it's just like, he puts his music on low and you can hear it. He's like talking to his video games. You can hear it. I'm like, sound really travels a lot. Well, I would blast with like, 
I mean, I would crank it up as almost loud as it could go. Um, Kill Switch Engage, uh, the end of Heartache album. And yeah. same dream for that with my face like right next to the speakers. And I remember with the day that I realized that my mom could hear all of that. And I felt like just dying, curling up in a ball. She didn't say anything about it. She probably wanted to, I, the amount of times she probably wanted to laugh at me and shame me and didn't. I'm like, the fact that she never said anything, that she let me play it that loud, sing and scream my heart out and just roll with it. I'm like, that would mom right there. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool. I, to think back on that, knowing like she's just inside being like, what happened to this kid? I'll, <laughs> I don't, how, why am I, why are we doing this? How did we get here? Like, and she just rolled with it. So I'm like, to sing with. Yeah. What? You want to talk about like a hard guy to sing with. I no, mean, that no. guy's yeah. voice is impossible to follow. And there is definitely a point until like, actually when you're like drowning out your own voice with how loud everything is. Uh, and then you realize for the first time what you actually sound like when you sing, you're like, Oh, I need to stop this immediately. <laughs> Dude, my sister had a karaoke machine that we never used in her room. And when they weren't home, sometimes I would go in there and I would record myself singing uh, (laughs) things, but I would delete it so that nobody would hear it, right? One time I forgot to delete it. And so my sister's like, hey, what's this? And she like starts playing this horrible recording of me singing like old time rock and roll. She still brings it up. That's so funny, dude. Somehow That's still embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> man. Well, uh, what do you think? Should we draw this to a close? Yeah, we, just, we can wrap this one up, man. We touched a lot of important subjects tonight. Um, yeah. You know, if this resonates with you, if you were drawn to tears or strong emotions, uh, consider following us on Instagram, subscribing to the podcast on the, on the podcast app of your choice. And uh, if you could leave a five-star review, that would be real cool. Yeah. You're going to tell them what our Instagram handle is, or you're just going to, you know, hope people figure it out. I don't know what it is. <laughs> of course you don't. Uh, at growing up Christian podcast. And oh, if you have like, honestly, what I, yeah, we can cut this if uh, it's not a good idea to do this yet, but I, I kind of want to get like really, um, I want people to tell really funny, cringy stories, uh, through email. If people want to, our, our podcast email is guc podcast at gmail.com. And I don't know. I feel like there's definitely some hilarious stories out there and there's probably a lot of really funny people who listen, who can tell a funny story. So. I don't know. We get some good ones. I wouldn't mind just reading them if they're going to make everybody laugh. Yeah, that I like that idea. So, so and, and feel free to chime in on any of the stuff that we talk about. Um, we would love to hear what you guys think about it. So hit us up on the Instagram or comment on one of the posts, and you know, let us know um, if you if you don't like my my critiques of science. Yeah, <laughs> or my critiques of his critiques of science because we're both really not smart. <laughs> well this has been fun man yeah we'll uh see you guys next time yeah have a good one everybody bye